Hello Saints, Todd here with SafeguardYourSoul.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are so blessed to have these moments together in the Word of God. And remember, Saints, there's nothing, there's nothing, no thing happening on God's planet that is even remotely as important as the work of the gospel and feeding the sheep of Jesus Christ for whom he died to save so that they can grow in grace, they can be edified, they can be equipped for the work of the ministry according to the scriptures. And let me just guarantee you this one thing, by the grace of God, this outreach will continue to unapologetically endeavor to preach the whole of the word of God, regardless of who gets offended or not in Jesus name. And please remember that your prayers and support are vital to this operation. Thank you. Saints, in this message, I want to talk about what I deem to be the most corrupted heretic, perhaps, in New Testament history. His name was John Calvin, after which the system, the heretical system of Calvinism is named, a man named Sebastian Castillo, a French preacher and theologian around the time when John Calvin lived, said this, Mr. Castillo said of John Calvin, if Christ himself came to Geneva, that's Geneva, Switzerland, over which John Calvin presided over a group of Christians, he would be crucified. Notice, if Christ himself came to Geneva, he would be crucified, for Geneva is not a place of Christian liberty. It is ruled by a new pope, John Calvin, that is, but one who burns men alive. He's even worse than the Pope and the Popes. He burns men alive while the Pope at Rome at least strangles them first, that is, before burning them. This is the first-hand contemporary testimony of Sebastian Castilio concerning John Calvin. So it's going to be Christ or Calvin. Who are you going to choose? You can't choose both. And I say that with utter confidence, knowing what the scriptures teach and what John Calvin and these reformers, many of them, and Calvinists teach. Notice this demon-possessed maniac, John Calvin, wrote the following concerning unbiblical beliefs and failures of John Calvin. Somebody noted Calvin on the Bible in 1536. John Calvin wrote this. He said, the Bible is a knotty, K-N-O-T-T-Y, difficult text whose interpretation demands extensive knowledge. If brought into contact with it unceremoniously, many minds are upset and seized with confusion. The Bible is too old a text in too new a world, unquote. That's what John Calvin said. And he also said, God willed that man sin. Calvin wrote, God, in a secret and marvelous way, justly wills the things which men unjustly do. He continues, although God and the devil will the same thing, they do so in an utterly different manner. He said that God did not will that all men be saved, saying, so this is somebody else writing it, Calvin said this, that few receive the gospel, we must fully conclude that the cause is the will of God, and that the outward sound of that gospel strikes the ear in vain, until God is pleased to touch it, by it the heart 
within, unquote. And of John Calvin, we also read, he, that's Calvin, was a principal figure in the development of the system of Christian theology, it's a cult, called Calvinism, including its doctrines of predestination and of God's absolute sovereignty and the salvation of the human soul from death and eternal damnation. We read that in Wikipedia. Also, a site called World History said that John Calvin, 1509 to 1564, was a French reformer, a pastor and theologian considered among the greatest of the Protestant Reformation, along with Martin Luther and Huldrych Zwingli. Calvin synthesized the differing views of Protestant sects with his own in his, quote, Institutes of Christian Religion. That's the volumes that John Calvin wrote, regarded as one of the most important works of Protestant theology, unquote. Not sad that John Calvin's writings would have any importance at all other than to expose for what they were by anyone that claims to be a Christian. One of the key biblical words or doctrines perverted by Calvinism is predestination, as if God preordained an eternity past that certain people were ordained to go to hell and certain even if against their own will or ordained to go to heaven. Calvinism heretically denies free will. Let's ask a simple question of the crafter of the system of Calvinism, and that would be this question. Did God violate his own word by preordaining John Calvin to lie against him, to lie against God profusely? No. Did the Almighty sovereignly predestine, predetermine, that is, and foreordained that John Calvin murder in cold blood over 60 people who disagreed with him. And by the way, that's a historical fact that even the Calvinists admit. And think about that. Did Jesus and his apostles ever propagate and further the kingdom of God by punching or murdering or punishing people? No, never. We can only and soundly conclude that the God, small g, of John Calvin and Calvinism is none other other than Satan, not Jehovah. John Calvin was a complete fraud. His most prominent work is called Institutes of Christian Religion. Wait, what? Read that title again. Institutes of Christian Religion. So does John Calvin or any mere sinful man or men decide what Christianity is, as the title suggests? Or did God decide what his kingdom is and is not and what it consists of? Well, the answer is clear. Romans 3, 4, let God be true and every man a liar. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and it is profitable for doctrine, correction, reproof, and instruction in righteousness. But John Calvin, who we just read a few minutes ago at the onset, says that the scriptures are basically not able to be understood and they're outdated. And now he names his volumes Institutes of Christian Religion. So what people do when they read John Calvin's corrupted Institutes of Christian Religion, they're reading John Calvin's view of Christianity. The man was insane. He was a murderer of over 60 people for disagreeing with him. So we see so far that John Calvin is putting down the Bible and basically no different than the Catholics telling people that they can't understand the Bible by themselves with the Holy Spirit, but that they need him to write a new book, a new volume or volumes called the Institute.
institutes of the Christian religion. Absolute fraud. So are we beginning to see, friends, why John Calvin was called the Pope of Geneva? He ruled with an iron, murderous fist. There is no testimony of John Calvin ever being born again. The same seems true for his followers today, many of them, or all of them that I've met, and I've met many, many of them. Jesus taught us that when a man is born again, he is led by the Holy Spirit into all truth, John 3, verses 1 through 8. Brother John Crane wrote the following. He says, when the carnal mind tries to understand the things of God, which can only be found in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, all manner of wickedness and error will be produced vainly in his puffed up pride, the pride of man, which is void of understanding. This is what I perceive when reading the writings of John Calvin, unquote. Brother John Crane writes, just look at the titles of his works, including one of his books is called Golden Booklets of the True Christian Life, unquote. In putting together the things he's saying, it becomes very clear that John Calvin told the people they can't understand the word of God for themselves. They need him to tell them what God says. And that is the recipe for disaster, including eternal damnation. God ordained that you and I study our own selves to be approved unto God, workmen that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So he writes a book and calls it Golden Booklet of True Christian Life. In other words, you need my book. You don't need the Bible. You can't understand the Bible. His other quote told us clearly that that's what he's saying. So you need to read my book. This man was a false prophet if you've ever seen one. So think about that. Read that again. Does anything seem off to you when you see a title, Golden Book of the True Christian Life. Wow. The only golden book of the true Christian life is the Word of God itself, not the gospel, the private interpretation of any mere sinful men. This title is a writing of an author that is demon-possessed. He's a murderer, John Calvin. It's meant to capture the gullible, to lead them to believe that they need his book to understand God's book of all books. But the written Word of God, the living Word, and the Holy Spirit is our divine teacher. Thy word is truth. John chapter 17, verse 17, Psalm 119, 105. And you'll notice by design, I start off with the written word because there's a lot of people today claiming to be led by the spirit that are not anchored in and coming out of with everything, the written word of God. Beware, saints. Psalm 119, 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So how did God give us his word? How did we receive his word? Well, here it is, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19 and 20. It certainly wasn't through unholy men like John Calvin. It says here, 2 Peter 1, beginning in verse 19, we have also a more sure word of prophecy, where unto ye do well that ye take heed, that is, to the scriptures, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn, until your understanding is enlightened, in other words, and the day star, that that's Christ, arise in your hearts. When you study the Word of God, the Holy Spirit reveals Christ. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation, such as John Calvin's books. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Notice, holy men of God spake. That's how we got the Scriptures. As they were moved by the Holy Ghost. That's 2 
second Peter chapter one, first John two twenty seven. But the anointing, that's the Holy Ghost inside of you, if you're born again, which ye have received of him abideth or remains in you and ye need not that any man teach you. In other words, ultimately God is your teacher through his word and by his spirit. But as the same anointing teacheth you all things and is truth and is no lie and even as it hath taught you, you shall abide abide in him. First John 2.27. How about John 14.26? Jesus said, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. That's John 14, 26. John 16, 13, and 14, Jesus said, He, the Spirit of truth, howbeit, when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He will guide you into all truth. For He shall not speak of Himself, but whatsoever He shall hear, that shall He speak, and He will show you things to come. He shall glorify Me, for He shall receive of Mine, and shall show it unto you. Amen. So this also begs another question, and that would be, why do people study church history when they don't even know the Word of God? That's interesting. That's the whole thrust and agenda of the Reformation movement. Whenever you see these ministries with the word Reformation and Reformed in them, those are Calvinistic camps, and they're full of cancerous poisons. This is why this true disciple of Christ studies to show himself approved in the Word of God. He does not follow the whims of deceitful, beguiling men to go study church history and to study about all of these reformers, such as Martin Luther and John Calvin and many others who were in many instances in absolute contradiction to the Word of God. And notice, how are you and I going to know that they were in contradiction to the Word of God if we don't know the definite article of the Word of God ourselves? Well, we're not. That's why the Bible says to study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You're not going to be able to rightly divide truth from error if you don't study the word of God. And you should be in the word of God every single morning without fail. Anybody that's not in the word of God every day has already backslidden and needs to repent before it's too late. So this is why myself, I personally suggest that Christians spend little or no time in church history or studying the reformers, so-called reformers. Church history is not divinely inspired, friends. And in fact, in many or most cases is rebellion. This is clear in the lives of the reformers, the so-called reformers, such as John Calvin, Martin Luther, etc. The scripture says in Ephesians 2.20 that the body of Christ is built upon the foundation, the gospel is built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. That's the church. We're built, the church that Christ said, I'm going to build. I will build my church, Matthew 16, believe it's verse 19 or 18, and are built upon the foundation of what? The apostles and prophets. We're going to talk about what that's referring to. Jesus Christ, not some reformer, being the chief cornerstone, Ephesians 2.20. So what is he speaking of when he says, quote, the foundation of the apostles and prophets? What's that referring to? as far as the foundation for the church that Jesus came and authored 
He's the author and finisher of his church and of our faith. So what does that mean, the foundation of the apostles and prophets? Well, that's referring to the writings, the scriptures of that were penned by the prophets and by the apostles. Well, we've received the written word, but by who? We received the written word, but by who? Who did we receive it from? By the apostles and prophets, as Paul mentions here in Ephesians 2.20, as far as being the foundation and the cornerstone of our faith. It's Christ and his word. He is the word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, John chapter 1. So the written word is our foundation, and not the words, stories, doctrines, or history of mere men who came thereafter. See, these men that these reformers are usually coming out of the Protestant era, which ensued the Dark Ages. So the written word of God is our foundation and nothing else. Now, do we begin to see why so many are confused and are not soundly grounded in the cardinal doctrines of the original gospel straight from God's word? Notice John Wesley wrote this. He said, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. As the foundation sustains the building, so the word of God declared by the apostles and prophets sustains the faith of all believers. God laid the foundation by them, that is, by the scriptures, penned by the apostles and prophets. These were the holy men of God, saints, that spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And that's how we got the holy scriptures, which is the foundation of the church, Christ and his word. But Christ himself, John Wesley writes, is the chief cornerstone, the stone of foundation. Elsewhere, he is termed the foundation itself, such as 1 Corinthians 3.11, unquote, John Wesley. So Jesus Christ alone is the chief cornerstone, quote unquote, and not John Calvin or any other reformer, so-called, or mere sinful man. Adam Clark wrote this, he says, having for foundation the ground plan, specification and principle on which it was builded, the doctrine taught by the prophets in the Old Testament and the apostles in the New. Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone, the chief angle or foundation cornerstone, the connecting medium by which both Jews and Gentiles were united in the same building. Elsewhere, he continues, Jesus Christ is termed the foundation stone, such as here in Isaiah 28, 16, behold, I lay in Zion a foundation stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, Isaiah 28, verse 16. He continues, Adam Clark says, but the meaning is the same in all the places where these terms foundation and cornerstone occur. For in laying the foundation of a building, a large stone is generally placed at one of the angles or corners, which serves to form a part of the two walls which meet in that angle. When, therefore, the apostle says that Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone, it means such a foundation stone as that above mentioned. Adam Clark, unquote. So, St. Sound Doctrine is the divinely inspired Holy Scriptures and nothing else. The words of God come from God, not 
mere men. And let me stop to say this. Whenever you're listening, myself or anybody else preach, this should inspire you, my friend, to get into the Word of God so that the Word of God gets into you. You know, when the Lord saved me, I had been brought up in the Catholic Church and was confused. So I made the immediate decision after being saved that I was going to get these two eyes myself that I have, that God gave me on the Holy Scriptures, the Constitution of Glory, the Constitution of God. And I wasn't going to believe anything other than what I read in the Holy Scriptures. And that's the way I prayed, Lord. I said, clear my heart, Lord, the tablet of my heart, the constitution of my heart, and let it be written with thy word, O God, because thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The entrance of thy words giveth light. Amen. Psalm 119. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 15 through 17, the apostle Paul, who was one of the holy men that wrote the scriptures, as we read in Second Peter chapter chapter 1. And that from a child, he writes, thou hast known the holy scriptures. He's talking about and to Timothy, his understudy. And that from a child, thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are what? What are the holy scriptures able to do? Which are able to make thee wise. Amen. The words of God instill in us the wisdom of God, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, not church history, but scripture. God didn't sanction or anoint anybody to write church history, but he did anoint the holy men of God who penned his word. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect or mature, truly furnished unto all good works. See, the man of God becomes perfected, matured, and furnished unto all good works by the divine holy scriptures, not by studying church history or reformers. Since we already had the written word of God, friends, which is perfect divine doctrine, what really needed to be reformed, we should ask, or formed again? How about nothing? Man cannot fix man's problems. And so when the Protestants sought to fix the lies of Catholicism with the Reformation, they perpetuated their own lies to Deceptions and false doctrines. So beware, saints. Why not just read God's word for ourselves? Sadly, many seek out Reformation ministries and resources, and so their image or images of the Lord are convoluted at best. Their imagination that God gave them is a poisoned pond. The only way to cast down, to rewrite the constitution of our hearts from all of the filth that we've heard and learned is by first of all, repenting and by diligently pouring over pure, holy scripture daily. Amen. The words of God himself are the very thoughts of his heart, quote unquote, that's Psalm 33, 11, and that he gave us in tangible format. God gave us the thoughts of his heart in tangible format in his written word. May the Lord be praised. Psalm 33, 11, the counsel of the Lord standeth forever. The thoughts of his heart to all generations. Psalm 33, 11, Jesus, when praying to the Father in John 17, 17, sanctify them through thy truth, he prayed, thy word is truth. 
Christ Jesus himself is the grand subject of all of Holy Scripture, beloved saints. This is the only well of pure living water that he gave us to drink from, to learn of him. There are no additives in the Word of God. Read the King James Bible, by the way, and not a cheap counterfeit. And on that note, remember that the Geneva Bible, which was the fifth of the seven Bibles, that is, the King James being the seventh in perfect fulfillment of the divine prophecy given us in Psalm 12, 6, and 7, which says that his word would be purified seven times. But the fifth in that lineage was the Geneva Bible, which I just recently found out it was full of just a lots of a plethora of notes by people like John Calvin. Remember, it's called the Geneva Bible. So that stands to reason. If you look into the history of it, a lot of people are starting to push that Bible, but it's not good. It's full of notes from John Calvin, which is nothing but poison. Beware, saints. So there is no shortcut. There are no shortcuts to studying the Word of God ourselves. We must memorize Scripture too, saints. The Bible says, let thine heart retain, retain my word. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 4. Again, let's hear it one more time before we close in prayer. 2 Timothy 2.15. Study. This is an instruction to you, friend, from God. Study to show thyself, you do it, approved unto God. You study his word as unto him. A workman, it takes work, that needeth not, but it'll be the most rewarded work you ever do. Amen. To fuel yourself, to fill yourself, to nourish your spirit with the words of God every day. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. 2 Timothy 2.15. Heavenly Father, we come to you now in the name of Jesus Christ, and we ask you to teach us your ways, to teach us your ways and to teach us all about yourself through your word, O oh God. Please expose and rid my imagination. Pray that to the Lord, friend. Ask him to purge your imagination and your thoughts and your heart and your mind of all misrepresentations of himself. Lord, we ask you to bless our hearts, our souls, and our vessels that you gave, the constitution of our innermost man to be your, to be full of, and to be strictly engraved with your pure, holy word and nothing else in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, brothers and sisters, it's been a blessing to spend these moments with you in the Word of God. And remember, there's hundreds of more Christ-centered, scripture-rich, edifying podcasts on safeguardyoursoul.com forward slash audios. There's also a store page with several many books on there for your edification in Christ. They're all scripture-rich and Christ-centered. Also, tens of thousands of saints and sinners are being reached every month, and you're prayers are coveted for the fruitfulness and supply of this outreach. God be praised, by the way, for those who are supporting. And feel free to visit our donate page on the site. And you can use your debit card, PayPal, or Patreon. And you can become a monthly sustaining member if you choose to do so. And a gift of any amount is so appreciated. Part of this outreach is to equip and supply other ministering disciples across our great country and all over the world. And may God be praised that there's fruitfulness happening among his people and through his beloved saints as we know that the return of our Lord Jesus Christ draws nigh. And we say 
together in the words of Revelation 22. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Amen.